Welcome to another edition of the Jayhawker Podcast. I am Greg Gurley along with Wayne Simeon. The Jayhawker Podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. What a great and glorious time it is to be a Jayhawk and a Chiefs fan. Before we get into our Hawk talk, our Jayhawk talk, how about the week that we've had starting, let's go back to last Saturday, winning at Oklahoma, then we had that great off day, Super Bowl champ, Kansas City Chiefs, go on to Stillwater to beat the Cowboys, but talk about, give me a little, you got about nine kids, talk about <laughs> what you did on Super Bowl Sunday with your family and how much fun it was for the Simeons as a Chiefs fan. Oh yeah, so much fun. We got connected with a couple other families, uh, the Snyder family, the Wright family, so I want to say there was about 15 kids total oh. uh, with some adults and uh, shared some some appetizers, and of course we're all huddled up around the big screen TV, excited about uh, the Chiefs. Were you uh, ever Super nervous? Appearance. I wasn't nervous. I don't get nervous with Patrick Mahomes anymore. No. I don't get nervous with Andy Reid anymore. No. I was actually relieved when he got hurt at the end of the second half or the first half. You're gonna have uh, to explain that one. Well, number one, I knew he was coming back. Come on, yeah. dudes, don't leave True. games the True. Super Bowl game, right? True. So we knew he was coming back, and then also I really appreciated in the AFC Championship game, when he was, again, playing on the, 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 the hurt ankle, uh, the conservative play calling that kept him in the pocket, that yeah. got Pacheco involved, yeah. uh, that got McKinnon involved, check down receivers. Because sometimes I feel like Patrick Mahomes gets bored and then he tries to create things yeah. and make things a little bit harder than they really are. And so when he got hurt, I was fairly relieved because I knew Andy – knew how to dial him and rein him back in like we saw in the AFC Championship game. And, and lo and behold, it, it, it proved to be true. Yeah, and he, he just gets rid of it so quick. So he's not going to get sacked because he'll get, get it and go. And Kelsey was always open. We got to experience a little bit a couple weeks ago when Travis Kelsey showed up. Yeah. And it was so cool because that was, what, 10 days before the Super Bowl? He had a ball in Lawrence. And Lawrence has kind of become – you know, we're kind of the professional basketball team of Kansas City, and I know a lot of our neighbors don't like the fact that people want to come to Allen Fieldhouse, but Travis Kelsey wanted to come to see the Jayhawks hey, play. Hey, hey, and you remember when he came into the locker room yeah. after the game, Coach Self was giving us some crap because I think the over-under for the number of catches that he would have in the Super Bowl was maybe four, right? Right, right. Yeah, and Coach was kind of giving him some crap yeah. about how low that number was, and and, and, and he had some uh, some pretty colorful commentary that he would catch more than than four, uh, make more than four catches during that game, and and, and uh, he, he made good on that. A little pub for him. He was on the Jimmy Fallon show last night, and he announced that He's going to host Saturday Night Live in a couple weeks. Pretty legit. How about that? That's a nice run. But a well, what, nice a, run. what a great guy. I remember when he came into the coach's locker room right before Bill and I did our interview, and he was just so natural and just easy. Like, he was a superstar, but it was just like one of the guys. And I, I, I don't know, I'm not around other guys like that, but he just seemed easy. And one of the guys has taken a uh, chip on the, on the shoulder and turned it into, uh, turned it into a championship I think uh, he and the, the rest of the Chiefs crew uh, didn't quite like being counted out once Tyreek Hill left and, you know, some other up-and-coming quarterbacks, which ended up turning into being a, a great narrative because I think people outside the Kansas City area had us counted out, but yeah. I don't think anyone here uh, wearing uh, red and gold uh, didn't think that, that this wasn't a possibility, and, and, and the confetti fell. 
No, it fell, and it was just such a – I was telling my – I was in Denver with my daughter. Amy and I watched it at my daughter's apartment in Denver, and it was just the four of us, and we, we just had a great time. And I explained to her, I go, you don't understand as a Kansas Cityan how cool this is. 2015, Royals win the World Series. Mm-hmm. 2018, Kansas goes to the Final Four. 19, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. 22, the Jayhawks win a national title, and then – the Chiefs won another You're Super running Bowl. out of fingers right I there. I ran out hey, of fingers. Running out of fingers. Hey, guess what? Then we got the World Cup bid. And even better, we got a new airport. New Come airport. on. Like, the we're draft. Winning. We got we're the draft. The draft? Are you kidding me? We're, I, 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 I'm, out, I'm out of fingers right now. I mean, we're, we're, we're doing it, Kansas City. We're doing it. People are, you know, we, you and I grew up in some, some not tough times, but no, they were as tough. far as no, sports. Tough. As far as sports yes, goes. Tough. You know, the Royals, the Chiefs. And I've, I've been to Arrowhead the probably years. 250 times in my life. And I've been there a lot when there was – 30,000 people there. And so it's so cool to, to be around a dynasty. Like, I, I now see what people in New England felt like for so many years. We are that team now, and we are that region. I kind of barked at my kids thinking, like, you guys don't deserve this. You right? guys just show up, and all of a sudden, championships and multiple franchises, and you don't remember. You didn't have to go through the, the agony. Yeah, I had to go the Lynn Elliott missing times. a field goal against the Colts. <laughs> I was like, I'll stay. But this is the Jayhawker podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. Great talk about the Chiefs, but on to the Jayhawks, which is why we're here. Uh, road trip to Bill Self's home state. We go down to Oklahoma, start off really slow. It was another noon game. And the, the Saturday before, we were in Ames for an 11 o'clock start, and we didn't play very well. We had 20 turnovers. We just looked like we didn't have it. And it started out that way in Norman. We were down 10 to 4. I think we scored four points in eight minutes. We're like, oh, here we go again. And then something clicked. And Jay Will started to get off. Grady started to go. And we really got in a rhythm and ended up winning by double digits. And that was a win that we had to get. And a win, you know, we talked about the Texas game the Monday before that it was a must win, even though no one said that except you and I. But it really was a must win. And then to back it up with a good road win against a team that had beat Alabama, the number one ranked team in the country right now, but beat Alabama by 30. And Kansas is able to go down there and do it. And, and one last thing, that ran our lifetime record in Norman to 22-20, and 20, which was very surprising to me. Do you remember your record in Norman? I don't. I didn't know that I, it was that. It was that, that close. close. It kind of it kind of snuck up on me. I but now, that. and we may not play them next year in Norman. That might have been our last game ever in Norman. So luckily, at the time we were twenty one and twenty. Luckily, we went to twenty two and zero, so it wasn't five hundred. Well, I'll, t- I'll take that because you know, though we might not be saying every game is a must win, you're thinking about it yeah. in the sense of the opportunity to be able to, to to win a Big 12 championship and just how close the race is and how there's so much, um, you know, more work uh, to be done. Uh, we got off to a bad start. Uh, I don't think we can afford to keep getting off the bad no. starts like that. No. Uh, but one thing that I do appreciate about that game, and, and Coach Self teams love this, is that even when we're playing bad, he wants to make and force the other team to play bad, which – after that first maybe eight-minute stretch that Oklahoma started out with, man, we stifled them. We turned them uh, over. We turned them over. They finished uh, scoring under 65 points, which is uh, a gritty, grinded-out type of game. And then, of course, the thing that, that we've all been waiting for, and particularly me, 
from the player that had his breakout game finally, Ernest Uday. Yeah. He's had out. kind of a breakout Yeah, that month. was a breakout game for him. Yeah, yeah. He, he's 6'11", seven foot four wingspan. You're obviously uh, – you love Ernest. You love Zuby. We all do. And, you know, Zuby was available in that game, but it was going to be Ernest who was going to get the first look. And, man, was he great. He just changes the game with his length, with his activity, with his knowledge of where – you know, he's just active. You know, when you don't know what you're doing, what do the coaches tell you to do? Move, be active, and that's what Ernest does. Got his, got some deflection, had some blocked shots. He changes shots, and and his rim running off the little pick and roll was superior. I mean, it looked like a seasoned vet with him and Dewan, him and Kevin, him and Jay Will. So that that emergence of Ernest off the bench gives us a whole nother look. You know, I think a lot of people maybe thought that that was like a flip of a switch where he just had that breakout game. I think that he had been building towards that game. Now, he hadn't had the type of minutes and productivity in the games leading up to that, but he had stacked some good reps, some good minutes, some good practices where it almost felt volcanic to a sense where it was like it was dormant, there's some rumbling, there's some rumbling, and you knew that it was only a matter of time uh, to where he would have uh, that, that breakout-type performance. Now, I will say that the matchup lended to his advantage because True. he is so athletic and the Oklahoma Bigs, yeah. they don't have anyone on their roster Gross. that plays above the rim. No. So as, as Dewan was able to get downhill and kind of that, that center court uh, ball screen and able to, to, to lob it up, Ernest was in another stratosphere yeah. that the Oklahoma defenders couldn't, couldn't match. Now, no. now, we saw a different look at that when we played Oklahoma State a few with days Cisse later and boom. with Cisse, I, and, and he wasn't yeah. nearly as effective in that. And so I think that there's that matchup – lended itself to being in his favor to him being able to have that type of game. I think where I point to Ernest, his coming out party was Kentucky. And that was, there's injuries. Uh, the game, quote unquote, didn't mean anything to some because it wasn't a league game, but it meant something. But Bill could play Ernest and Ernest knew he wasn't coming out. Because, Bill, there were some injuries, and he was going to get an opportunity to mm -hmm. play with a free mind, not worry about I – mean, freshman, you know, you worry about it. You make a mistake, you get yeah, pulled. No, I mean, that's, we're going through that right now with MJ. And, you know, he knows that if he makes a mistake, he's probably going to get pulled. And so you play differently. But Ernest, I think, went into that game and really impacted that game in a positive way with playing with a free mind and just running and jumping and having fun like he did – in high school, and that's what Bill says all the time. Hey, Wayne, what would you have done in high school? I would have shot it. Well, what's different now? <laughs> well, we recruited you because you were a hell of a high school player, and we want you to do those same things here within the offense and within the flow, and, and, and that's what I think Ernest is finally mid-February comfortable with. Yeah, and I remember Zach Clements had a big game like that uh, last yeah. year as well where you have these typical guys that, uh, that find a way to help us win a game, yeah. and that was certainly the case. And uh, not only did he do it on the offensive end, but, but he was a presence defensively, uh, you know, with the shot blocking, with the shot alterations, and also uh, with his rebounding uh, in that matchup. And hopefully we can continue to see him build on top of that uh, down the rest of the conference stretch. So that was last Saturday. Then we had the fun day on Sunday with the Super Bowl. Our team, that was a noon game. They get home 4 or 5 o'clock on Saturday, a couple nights in their own bed, right back on the road on Monday to go to Stillwater against, if not the hottest team in the Big 12, I think that's probably Baylor. 
but the second hottest, I mean, Oklahoma State was playing at a high level, even with the injury to Avery Anderson. That almost, nothing against Avery Anderson, but they've almost played better without him. Yeah. Uh, sometimes that happens, but he's a big-time player for them. So we go down there and had to, if we wanted to stay in this race, we talk about must-wins and all that. That's terms that we use because your ultimate goal, my ultimate goal, Bills, the whole team, their ultimate goal is to what? Win a league championship. And it's how we break huddles, Big 12 champs. Big 12 champs. And so you have to win the games you're supposed to win. That was another one that Kansas was favored in, if you look at it that way. But Oklahoma State was a hot team, and, and that was another game that kind of started off not slow because we played from out front for a little bit, then they played from out front. And then there was a lull of about three or four minutes on both sides. They, they turned the ball over. We turned it over on about four or five straight possessions. Then Joe Yesfu hits a three. And then the play of the game, in my opinion, and coincidentally is our call of the week, was at the end of the half when I think Dewan found, whoever found him, it was Grady Dick in the corner for a rainbow three. I mean, about as high arcing of a shot. And from my vantage point, I'm like, I don't know. And it perfectly goes to the net. We roll into the locker room with a lot of confidence. Here is your Jayhawker podcast call of the week as brought to you by Brian Haney and one Greg Gurley. Here comes Harris, throws ahead to Zuby. Left side, McCullough in the corner. Dick for three. Bingo! Grady Dick to beat the buzzer. And KU will take a two-point lead to the halftime locker room. Wow. Hey, Jayhawk fans, this is Greg Gurley here on the Jayhawker podcast. I want to tell you about the President Hotel. Downtown Kansas City just steps away from the Power and Light District and the T-Mobile Center. It will be the official hotel of the Kansas Jayhawks this year for the Big 12 Tournament and all things Kansas City whenever the Jayhawks are in town. Phillips Trinod, the GM down there, does an unbelievable job. Give them a call at 816-221-9490. Book their stay and play package, breakfast for two, parking for one vehicle, and a welcome gift. It's my favorite place. I stay there all the time. So does Wayne. Fully renovated hotel. The drum room is fantastic. Go down there for my favorite, a Manhattan on the rocks with a little with a little bullet rye. But uh, the President Hotel, the official hotel of the Jayhawker podcast. It was late, and one of my patients was having trouble sleeping. He was feeling uneasy, he told me. I asked him, is there anything I can do to help? I'm pretty sure he's the only patient ever to ask me to dance at 2 a.m. But sometimes, being the best nurse I can be is just being the best person I can be. Welcome back to the Jayhawker podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. We're we're in the midst of talking about the Oklahoma State win and what that meant to our program and to individual guys. It was another game where Jay Will, I think, ended up with 18, but it was a quiet 18. And and I'm not going to say the emergence of Grady Dick because he's been around all year, but, man, was he special. That three at the end of the half – kind of propelled his confidence and his momentum into the second half, and he got us out to that lead in the first four minutes of the second half. Gallagher Arena is one of my favorite places to play when I was a player. It's as juiced of an environment. You were always new Gallagher, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you never saw old Gallagher? No, it was was Old Gallagher was better. 
but it's still really, really good. Picture 6,000 less seats, and it was loud. It had a short roof, and a very tall roof. It was outside Allenfield, that's the loudest. So in, all the, in all the games you've called, would you categorize Gallagher-Iba as a shooter's arena? Yes. Because I've seen some big-time performances there. They have soft rims. When I go to shoot around, I watch those rims. As a shooter, you're like, these are kind of soft rims. They, so, yes, there's been some big-time offensive outputs well, in I mean, Gallagher-Iba. You know, coming, you know, speaking to you know, Oklahoma State's start that game, where they were just kicking the ball. And Bryce. Like Bryce Thompson, of course, you know, is always, you know, uh, juiced to, to, to play against his former team. His, some guys his he, games against he Kansas against. and Kansas State, if he just played those <laughs> games, he'd be an All-American. Uh, yeah, and, and, and a lot of the shots that they were making were all highly contested shots. And so even though – You know what it reminded uh, me of? The Miami game in the first half. We actually played pretty good defense against yep. Miami and McGusty and Wong and, mm-hmm. and all those guys were making guarded shots. That's why at halftime I'm like, all right. Hey, we're I, down five. The we'll percentages are going to yeah. play itself out, but I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no. We'll take being down five in yeah. that because they're, they're, they're making some really difficult contested shots and, and, uh, and it's certainly a, an impressive offensive performance. But then going down five, you're thinking, hey, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously Grady had uh, a, an elite performance there, uh, leaning back to the, the thought earlier about it really being a shooter's jam. I mean, basket looked really, really big. But I was never really concerned because I felt once we got the lead, Oklahoma State doesn't have a defensive disposition that's, that's, that's honed in enough to really get stops. They're more of a and trading that's what, without basket Without Avery Anderson, team, right? too. Right, and so, uh, and so once we kind of got in a trading basket scenario and we took care of the basketball yep. and we got open looks and, um, you know, one of my favorite plays was when Zuby caught the ball in traffic, yes. which, which is a big deal, right? I mean, a freshman just catching the basketball, game on the line around three defenders that have been active and athletic and then finding Grady Dick on the wing uh, for uh, another long three-point shot. I think that was, that was uh, one of the, the daggers that, that kind of solidified that, that win. And what I love about that play was about two minutes prior to that, he had a little guy matched up on him. We threw him the ball, and he fumbled it out of bounds. We, it was a mismatch. We, we got to go to him. They kind of reluctantly threw it to him. And then two minutes later, he gets that pass, and he kind of fumbled it because there were three guys mm-hmm. around him. But freshmen can go one of two ways, right? They and Ernest to, was fouled out. Now, Ernest had, was, had Ernest not been fouled out, there might have been right. There might have been a sub there. But Zuby caught it, gathered, realized he was under the basket, and made the right play. He pitched it out to Grady. He made a three, and that was when Oklahoma State was going on a little mini run. And those little plays like that with the freshman and quality minutes, teaching moments from two minutes before, he gathered, he played it calmly, and he pitched it out. And that's just. One of those plays in the maturation of freshmen that I'll point to over the next month or so that that's going to only give him confidence. Yeah, and, uh, and the coach's confidence in him. Man, and another confidence uh, builder uh, was, for, was for Kevin McCullough, who's labored offensively uh, the last two or three games yeah. uh, and even has turned that laboring on, on offense uh, into not being as effective as we need him to be on defense. I thought he was terrific. Mm-hmm. He was the player of the game, in my opinion, because when Jay Will got into foul trouble, KJ was in foul trouble. I looked at it, and Dewan had just tweaked his ankle. So you had a, a you had no Jay Will, you had no Dewan. Kevin's the guy, right? And like you said, offensively at times challenged. He's a skilled offensive player. He just hadn't been making shots. He makes big shots, 
but his percentages aren't there. He gets a lot of wide open looks because of all the attention that goes to Grady and Jay Will. But what I thought was great, I think, I think they had cut it to five, and he goes on a 6-0 run by himself. And he, he had a nice move to the bucket on the left side. He had a little mid-range jumper. Then he had an and one. It might have been a 7-0 run. But Kevin McCuller defensively was great. Yeah, because in that stretch that you just described, he forced a turnover, he got the rebound, drove it coast to coast, which initiated yep. the break, yep. and was able to score there at the basket. So it's great to see him be able to initiate and be active on both sides of the basketball. And I think the common theme that you and I are talking about right now, who have we talked about? Kind of everybody but Jay Will. Jay Will. An all gonna be an all-American, might be the player of the year in our conference, go up in the rafters with guys like you. Uh and it, not like Jalen's been bad, but teams are now gearing everything to stop Jay Jalen. And so we've talked so much about the other guys, but in this entire conversation, we've bar- the only thing we've brought up Jay Will about was he's in foul trouble. Well, this is where we get spoiled because he's done it at such a high clip for the duration of you know a very difficult conference season and even prior to that that now it's come to be what we expect out of him and maybe we take it a little bit for granted well we take we're kansas fans we take everything for granted we, we at least this isn't have one normal guy like that as we yeah. look around the landscape of college basketball to, at the elites carolina duke kentucky michigan state maybe throw michigan at that there's some big-time programs that are bubble teams that had a lot of guys back. We didn't have a lot of guys back. We had Dewan and Jay Will, but Joe, but we got a lot of new guys. And the common denominator in all that is Bill Self. He's the great adjuster. He figures out a way to mesh everybody together. 34, is that right? I think it's 34 years in a row with 20 wins or more. Consecutive years. It was, it was the, and it, the year that it was was the uh, probation year after the national title. The last time we didn't win 20 games, which. Pretty efficient. I, I'm not bagging on Duke. Or, they've had down years. We just haven't. And, and that's a credit to Roy Williams and Bill Self. And Bill Self, over the last 20 years, there hasn't been a more consistent coach in the country. The records, the streaks that he's accomplished, which he, you know, when I bring these up to him or you bring them up to him, what does he say? He downplays hey, it. Downplays. Yeah, yeah, Shut yeah. up, Wayne. Shut up, Greg. <laughs> but we're going to recognize how impressive these things are 20 years from now when nobody else has come close to accomplishing, what is it, 36-0 and on Big Mondays at home? Think about that. Big Monday means that you're playing a big-time matchup against a top-10 team more than likely, right? 36-0 and in Allen Fieldhouse. It's crazy. It's crazy. And all that leading to a big-time matchup. It's a big-time team. College game day in the house. Going up, up against a team that was projected to win the conference. A team that got us down there earlier in the year, the Baylor Bears. And the Baylor Bears, who started out the conference season 0-3. So we talked about Oklahoma State being hot. There's no hotter team than Baylor right now. They're tied with us for first place. And this is a big-time game. Like Wayne said, college game day is going to be here. But the other thing that I'm excited about, and I know you are as well, I think we need to talk about Jayhawks in the NBA. Where some of our guys are from last year and then years past, who's coming back? We know, we know Christian Brown. We know Ochai. We know uh, Cole Aldrich. 
We know uh, Chris Tehan, Mitch Lightfoot from last year's team. Uh, Tyrell Reed's a fixture here. There's still plenty of time to get calls, which we probably will. Brandon before, Rush, Sharon Collins, Tyshawn Taylor. I mean, it's going to be a who's who behind the bench, with you included. Um, but this will be the first time that Christian and, and, and Ochai will have been back since the since uh, the uh, last – well, they weren't back for late night, right? They were not. Uh, so cool to have them back. Ochai's starting to get some really good minutes. Started out the first 30 games. You know, he got drafted by Cleveland, and then he got traded before the opening night in the Donovan Mitchell deal. Goes to Utah. Utah had a heck of a start, and Ochai wasn't necessarily in those plans early. Spent some time in the G League, which is tough. Which is tough on anybody. But then he comes back, and the last month or so, He's been getting a consistent 20, 25 minutes a game. He's producing. Uh, his his minutes, his points per minutes are yeah, up. Everything's up. So he's showing while he was drafted as, as a lottery pick. And then Christian Brown, could you ask for a better situation? That's the best team in the Western Conference. He's getting real minutes. He's producing. He's turned into arguably one of their best defensive players. And he has real highlights, too. You'll see. I watched a deal on Twitter highlights. the other day, and it was – all of his dunks this year, not all of them, but, man. And we saw that here, his athleticism, but it's almost ticked up a notch in the league. Uh, it's been so great to be able to think about uh, how those guys are trending. And then uh, I don't want to understate the importance of those guys coming back during All-Star break yeah. because the NBA season is grueling, absolutely grueling. You know, long road trips, back-to-backs, um, you know, obviously jockeying for, for a playoff position, seedings, fighting your way through the trade deadline. And we did see several Jayhawks get shifted and moved around now that Devontae Graham is a San Antonio Spur. Did you see Steve his Kyle debut? Luka. Yeah, yeah, had a nice little debut there. You History know. of the San Antonio Spurs, most points scored in a Spurs debut. Yeah, hey, we'll take that. Come Devontae on, Graham for the Jayhawks, man. R.C. Buford, another great Jayhawk running that organization yep, down he'll there. He'll be here tomorrow. Uh, but, but, but when those guys choose to take – basically their only weekend off during a grueling NBA season, and they choose to come back yeah. to Lawrence, Kansas. They could be in Cabo. They could be in L.A. They could be at the All-Star Games themselves enjoying the festivities and the parties. But the fact that they choose to come back to cold, snowy Lawrence, Kansas in February, bad. like I think really is a testament to, to how great this place is. Well, we've talked about it before. You get it, and I get it, but I don't think everyone understands, especially guys that are playing in the NBA. They don't realize until they're gone how well they are treated in here and how loved they are. I guarantee you this will – Christian and Ochai are going to have an ear-to-ear -ear grin, seeing everybody from the past and just catching up because you play in the NBA. It's not it's, the same. It's different. Yeah, it's you, not the same. You, you get on a bus, you get on a plane, you go to a hotel, you might go to a dinner – you're young. You may not hang out with the vets. You may not want to hang out with certain guys. So you're kind of by yourself a lot, right? Yeah. yeah you and find you're your living way. in a town you're not used to. I mean, Ochai's in Salt Lake. CB's in Denver. Not that they're bored or lonely, but there's a little bit of that. There's a big adjustment period. So yeah. when you come back, it's just like open arms and from managers to doctors to, to administrators that they're going to have an ear-to-ear -ear grin, and that's why I think they come back. They still might go to Cabo because now the NBA All-Star break is like 
there was games last night, but most teams played on Wednesday, yeah. and they don't go back until next Friday. So even CB and, and Oge could uh, they could hop on a bird and get a little get a little sand Hopefully in them. Hopefully they get out. Hopefully they get out. But I, I would actually make an argument for for CB being a part of the Rising Stars game. I actually think he got snubbed yeah. uh, out of that, but um, at least he gets a chance to, to come back here. And you talk about how uh, we got frenzied up earlier and not talking about uh, the biggest star currently. For the Kansas Jayhawks, which is Jay Will, we forget about him. Well, in all of our NBA talk, who have we forgotten to, to mention? Embiid. Joel Embiid, who is having a Hall of Fame career uh, already that we've seen, but is also, you know, still in the conversation for, for MVP. I mean, he's one of the most dominant players uh, There's for, a for, for a stretch of years in the, in the NBA, which is, which is unreal. The question would be, who's a better offensive talent, Kevin Durant or Joel Embiid? Kevin Durant, to me, is probably the best scorer. But I don't know how you guard Joe. If Joe decides to post up every possession, he could have 70 points. Because how do you defend? He's massive. He's athletic. He's got all the ball skills. He's got great touch. He's a great free throw shooter. I think Kevin Durant's a better scorer. But Joe's right there with him. Well, I mean, to, to that question, I would say out of those two right now, the best ability is availability. And I'm really glad that this is probably one of the healthiest seasons yeah. that uh, the Embiid has had. Um, and, uh, you know, seeing him being able to, to develop, obviously we knew what type of force he was in the post. And the NBA is a little bit different because, you know, teams hone in on you, double teams come. Man, he's been able to develop his mid-range oh. game uh, in a way that, that avoids the double teams, in a way that helps him to get to the foul line, in a way that doesn't put, put as much wear and tear uh, on his body. Uh, there's been quite, quite an adjustment that's going to extend the longevity of his career, but also has helped him you know, be not just an occasional all-star, which we've had, but, but a perennial all-star that's, that's having a Hall of Fame-like campaign. And he's got a little chip on his shoulder because he – like a lot of us, thought he was the MVP. I think he got snubbed. He got, he got snubbed, snubbed last year. And so I think – and he called out some of the people that voted that didn't vote for him. Mm -hmm. So he's playing with the little chip, which only makes him more dangerous. Uh, and, and this year is no different. I mean, Jokic is right there, Giannis. But I, I just don't know who's a more dominant force offensively. And you brought up a good point. He's more dominant than Kevin Durant because he's been hurt. But Kevin Durant with the ball in his hands, 25 feet away from the basket, is damn near unguardable. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's true. It's true. His performance here, whatever year that was, like 04, I've I never seen a better performance by a visiting player than, than that first half with Kevin Durant. Hey, we've been talking about some of the Jayhawk players in the NBA, but, man, we got some coaches uh, yeah. in the NBA that are doing well. How about Aaron Miles, who's going to be on the bench – coaching in the NBA All-Star game yeah. the Boston Celtics. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron's done unbelievable. One of your best friends, and he's done a – he was here for a year and, 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 and kind of got a, a, a dose of what college basketball coaching was going to be like, and he's been able to parlay that into the NBA, and he's a fixture, a future head coach, one of the all-time great guys. Uh, but Aaron, like you said, it's going to be coaching in an All-Star game. Look at Jock Vaughn. I mean, what's the common theme there? A couple of point guards. Point guards have it. Jock kind of got a, a – it looked like he got a really good deal because he was given the keys to the castle with Kyrie, Durant, and Ben yeah. Simmons. And he did a great job. 
did way better than Steve Nash was was trending to be the coach of the year in the NBA, probably. Potentially, yeah. Potentially. Long and season. then five days before the, the, the uh, draft deadline, Kyrie said he wants out, and that snowballed into Kevin, and now Jock's back to coaching the Nets without – Two of the best players in the league. Oh, I actually like it better. I, I like it better. Uh, because, I wonder if Jock would say that. Well, I, it would be interesting. I'd really like to ask him that. I don't yeah. know if he could publicly say it, but you know, the NBA is such a players' league yeah. um, that when you have superstars like a Kyrie, like a Kevin Durant, very rarely do those guys allow coaches to actually coach them. Uh, we saw it with uh, them having the leverage to be able to choose to hire Steve Nash which right. didn't work out. He was right. there, and they bumped heads, and it didn't work out. And then, you know, you insert, you know, Jock Vaughn into the, to the top seat, to the top chair, uh, obviously him, him doing what he can. But now I'm, I'm actually thinking that it could be addition by subtraction when it comes to Jock being able to coach that team the way he wants. True. Because now we've got young, hungry guys. We've got a, a budding star like a Mikael Bridges that was uh, coming Ooh. from – 45 uh, Phoenix Suns, who's who I mean, we had Jay Wright on the other day. He's I mean, he's one of my all time favorite Villanova yeah. Wildcats. If we're allowed to have one of those, I don't know. I don't know if we're allowed to have uh, one. I mean, we beat it, we got a pretty good record again. We can have, we can okay, have those. Mikhail Bridges, anyways. One. Yeah, one, one, just one. I'll take, okay. I'll take Mikhail Bridges if I have one. And so, I'm actually thinking that it could be a better situation for Jock, uh, because they've got young players that will allow themselves because they've got cap room. Well, he's earned and the right, great city. he's earned the right. To a long-term deal, I don't know where he's at right now. I, I know he signed the two-year deal. Okay, yeah, but he deserves a five or six-year deal because it's not, you know, everybody thinks it's just plug and play. Like you can just put Steve Nash in there because he was a great player. Doesn't mean he's going to be a great coach. Jock's been doing it for a long, long Steve, time, yeah. and I know that Durant and some of those guys wanted Jock to get the job before Steve Nash. They decided to give it to Nash. It just didn't work out. He took the exact same guys and was successful with them that Steve Nash couldn't do. So it shows that there's importance in the fact that he knows how to coach guys. There's the, it's one thing to just roll it out and say go, but there has to be – you can't let the you, – you just can't let them to have no rules and all that. Not that Steve Nash did that, but whatever Jock did or whatever he does, it worked. Yeah, yeah. hopefully we'll be able to see him uh, continue on that trajectory. Before we get on to Baylor, a few more. You know, you already brought up R.C. Buford, who might go down as one of the best general managers in all of NBA basketball. You got Kevin Pritchard. You got Nick Collison, who's, a, who's an up-and-comer with uh, with Oklahoma City. Milt Newton. Milt Newton, who was just here for the Texas game. Yeah. So we got a ton of Jayhawks that are in front office roles, a, fr- a ton that are in, in uh, obviously, coaching roles. How about scouting? Steve Woodbury in scouting, Bill Pope in scouting, yep. Nick Collison is obviously yep. involved in that, Drew Gooden, the play-by-play guy for uh, the, the Washington Wizards. Yeah. So we've got them still scattered all, all, all around. But on to the game tomorrow, the Baylor Bears. They've got a trio of guards, just like they did when they won the national title. I mean, Flagler and uh, uh, George are special. I mean, George is a – he's a lottery pick, I think. He didn't have a great game against us down there, but you got to keep an eye on him. He's really, really good. And Flagler can flat-out score the ball. I mean, he's a transfer from a small school that has proven that just because they don't see the talent right out of high school – that guy could play. I mean, Flagler is a player. He's a professional scorer. Will he play in the NBA? I don't know. Maybe a little undersized. He's going to give it a good shot because he's really, really good. Uh, but they, they've got uh, – Scott Drew's done a great job of just 
kind of getting that talent in there. I mean, when you look at Mitchell, Teague, and those guys from a couple years ago, he's done it again. They started out poorly, but won nine out of the last ten. And this is a dangerous game for us because we're, we're on an uptick. We saw what happened a few Saturdays ago when we thought, you know, it was that TCU game. We lose by 20. That could happen again tomorrow. This is the type of team that can score a lot of points, so sure. we got to be we ready. Not like our guys aren't going to be ready, but looking forward to tomorrow, national stage, college game day. The whole world's going to be watching, and I'm glad that college game day decided to come because it showcases the Big 12. The two best in the Big 12, or at least two out of the three best, if you count Texas, in the Big 12 – the most dominant conference in college basketball in the last three or four years. Yeah, how spoiled are we? Because not many institutions out there get a chance to host two game days, college football game yeah. day and basketball game day in the same calendar year. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's pretty special. And, of course, the campus and the environment are going to be juiced. You know, talking about Baylor, man, they, they do have a three-headed monster uh, there. It'll be interesting to see what type of defensive adjustments uh, Coach Self decides to make. Thinking about – to uh, the outcome in, in, in Waco, uh, traditionally KU, Coach Self System, likes to switch four, likes yeah. to switch five. We saw in Waco, it was only a matter of time. It was almost like they were hunting their matchup. They were hunting their one-on-one -on -one matchup to where, okay, now we've got uh, KJ Adams on George, and now we've got Grady Dick on, on, on Flagler. Okay, now it's take them time. You know, one, and then one when there one. were mismatches and we would go double-team the post, they were ready, and they were ready to throw the pass to the shooter, and they made shots, and that's what really hurt us in that first yeah, half. Yeah, so I'm looking to see if there will be some adjustments made in that. I would, I would project that we will make an emphasis in guarding the three-point line uh, far more than protecting the paint. I imagine this being a game where uh, KJ and Ernest and Zuby um, are just going to be all alone. I probably won't, you know, forecast us, you know, doubling the post. It might just be, you know, those might be that the, the 1v1 matchup that you force is going to be in the paint as opposed to uh, what's going to happen on the wing. But look at what we did in Stillwater. We didn't double team, and Boone went off. You know, they left KJ on an island, got him in foul trouble, and Boone had, I think, 16 in that first half. So it'll be interesting to see. They, they don't have a Caleb Boone. They got a Flo Thamba who's is bigger than Boone, but not a super skilled big. He's capable though. He's, He's capable. capable. He's yeah. been around a long, long time. But we gotta, or we Bill's got to decide what they're going to do if because it's a well coached team. Double teams they've seen, they're gonna whip it around quick and get an open shot if we do it. So and that'll be something to watch pick. for. Hey, who do you want? You know, pick your poison. Who yeah. do you want to beat you? And I'm taking th – I would rather have Thamba yeah. beat us and go off than Adam Flagler you now, know, shoot six and And now that we have three. a little more depth in our bench, we got fouls to give. We got KJ. We got Ernest. We got Zuby. I think Zach can be available. So we got some – you don't want to just foul. But I think, like you said, pick your poison. Who you want? You want George, Flagler, Cryer, or do you want Thamba? So make him beat us. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, and I think, um, you know – Obviously, uh, the bench production uh, will, will come into play as yeah. well. Uh, not that we need them to score 30 points a game or to come out and have huge offensive performances, but certainly be serviceable, be solid defensively. Um, Just can't have a drop-off. Yeah, can't have a drop-off. So, Baylor game tomorrow, uh, college game day. And then, like 
when you're Kansas, you have a lot of these Saturday Mondays. This is, I think, our third one. So we go to TCU, a little revenge factor. They come into our building and embarrass us. I mean, it was a beating. It was a beat down. Looks like Mike Miles and Lampkin will be back for that game. Just our luck. They've been mm-hmm. injured for three weeks. but I think look. our guys won it that way, though. I agree. Yeah. And Lampkin played the other night at Iowa State where they got beat. And they're, they're on the struggle bus right now. TCU is – so they're going to love nothing more to, than to welcome us into that 7,500-capacity Schollmeyer Arena. It's not very big, but it gets pretty loud. That wasn't the case seven, eight years ago, but Jamie Dixon's got them rolling. So – First things first, got to take care of business against Baylor. But if we can go on the road and beat a TCU team, you look at our remaining schedule with West Virginia and Texas Tech, they're playing a lot better now. And I said this in an interview earlier this week, we're fortunate that we played in Lubbock and in Morgantown the first week of the year because we got two wins. They're playing so much better right now. We got them when they were down a little bit, and and uh, we eked out a win in Lubbock, and we beat West Virginia pretty good. But they're starting to beat some people in Morgantown. How big was that win in Lubbock? Now that we look back, because they've clipped some of the top teams in the conference already, so that's looking like a even better, better, yeah. more important win. On, on that off day between the Super Bowl and Stillwater, we were all glued to our, our TVs and our phones, becoming big Red Raider fans. <laughs> Uh, when they were playing the Longhorns, and it was a crazy game. Davion, Davion Harmon was unreal. I don't know if you watched it, but uh, they're playing you know, packed house, playing with some confidence, and uh, we're going to be Texas Tech fans as they other teams got to go down there as well. So uh, just a fun week coming up. Uh, here we are, mid-February. We're getting to the stretch run. Yeah. We're gonna, we have five league games left. Then we go to Kansas City for the Big 12. And, I mean, we're, we're right here at the end. I mean, remember this time last year when we, uh, we had a COVID makeup game and we had like four games in like seven days. It was like at Baylor, at TCU, and then two days later we played TCU here, and then two days later we played Texas here. So a little different finish for us this year. Take care of business tomorrow. Uh, quick flip 48 hours later in Fort Worth and we, we just took care of business in Oklahoma but got a great opportunity to create a little space yeah what a cool part in the schedule where we come off the Oklahoma Oklahoma State win where their threats because they're on the road because they both played us close here and now we've got two games that are that are bookended on that that are chip on the shoulder type games yeah. two two teams that have revenge um, that, that we want to get a chance to to, to, to get to get uh, recourse for. Good times. Let's do it again next week. Let's do it again next week with a couple more wins. I'll meet you back here next week with a couple more wins. We'll get a good guest on next week. Maybe we'll we'll talk to CB and Ochai now that we've maybe do an online thing, get them wherever they're at. But uh, uh, having a lot of fun doing this. Love to recap. Love to preview. Uh, we got a few more things going on in Kansas Athletics. Kansas baseball debuts today. Dan Fitzgerald. Corpus, Corpus Christi, Texas against Valparaiso. The women are back at it this weekend. Women's golf has been great. Men's golf's out in, in Palm Springs right now. So a lot going on in Kansas. Women's tennis playing right now, playing in Arizona. I was out there earlier. So it's a great points. We had a great event last night with Lance Leipold and Travis Koff in Kansas City and really doing a great job pumping up Kansas football, trying to 
trying to extend the momentum that they created this year, and whether it be season tickets or our, or our, our new stadium project and Anderson upgrade. So a lot going on in Kansas Athletics. You and I are a big part of all that and need everybody out there to get involved. You know, the Williams Fund and the Kansas Athletic Development team, we need more donors. I mean, we are – we are at a point where we're near the bottom in the number of donors that we have, but we're up in the, near the top in money raised, which is great, but we need everybody. We need to boost our numbers. We need, we need people at Memorial Stadium. We know what we got in Allen. We just need that football program to continue with their momentum and Jayhawk Nation get behind those guys. We, we signed, up our Lance, signed up Lance Leipold, his entire staff, all 10 assistants, everyone I'm coming back. The continuity is great. We're set for some really big things. So get involved. Call me, call Wayne. Rock Chalk Jack. This has been the Jay Hawker Podcast brought to you by the University of Kansas Health System. <laughs>